0: Welcome to the Life Lessons Podcast. I'm Jen Stevens.
1: I'm a retired teacher, the author of several books, including the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I love nothing more than building community.
0: And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've spent my life helping others through my work in healthcare and as a volunteer for various organizations.
1: We are friends who share a love of learning, problem solving, and bringing people together.
0: Each week, join us as we share inspiring stories and bring you new ideas designed to help you live your best life.
1: So, now let's learn something new, get inspired, and have some fun. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm
0: doing great. I'm so glad. I slept really late this morning. Oh gosh,
1: I it was not intentional. Scary. I slept but really it late. Felt
0: good. Do you want to know how late I slept? Till 6.05. <laughs> well, here's how I knew you slept late. <laughs> I woke up and couldn't sleep around. I don't know, maybe five or five thirty this morning, and uh, I was in community talking. And I hadn't whatever. been there yet. You hadn't been there yet. And I was like, chin must still be asleep. Well, that's the time change, right? We just had the time change. For everybody who's listening,
1: we're recording this. It is March 15th when we're recording it. And so the time change happened this weekend. And I just can take a deep breath because I'm now in sync with the world again.
0: I Like know. my it body doesn't
1: fall back. It doesn't. My body doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, my biological, my, well, no, not my circadian rhythm. My circadian rhythm is solid. <laughs> like it does what it does. I wake up. On my own, I'm really tired at night. But now, finally, you know, it's, I wake up between now, it's between six and six thirty, which feels very socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to stay awake past nine p m. no problem. Whereas all winter, I'm awake at five a m and I'm a sl- sleepy at eight o'clock. so anyway,, <sighs> I just really feel like the world is back to me.
0: I agree. I have felt yeah. great this week. I love it. I know there are people who aren't loving it, but I am loving it. Well, it was harder when I was a teacher
1: because, you know, I didn't want, you know, I had, to, I had to get up and go to work. It was different. Right. But now when I wake up on my own, I'm much happier for it to be between six and 6.30 than
0: five. Right. <laughs> I have a good customer service shout out. Oh, I want to hear it. Uh, I ordered a new couch about, Uh, well, over seven weeks ago now. Mm -hmm. And I know this because I've been waiting for it to come. And when I ordered it, they said that it was like usually four to six weeks for delivery. So I got to, I think, four weeks and I hadn't heard a thing at all. And um, I'd ordered something else recently and they were like kind of in contact with me. It had sort of a long lead time and they were kind of in contact with me throughout and letting me know like, you know, where I was at in the process. This company I didn't hear a thing from. So I emailed them and they said, oh no, you're still right on target for delivery within the six week mark. Uh, We'll send you a shipping notification when it ships. Well, yesterday was exactly seven weeks, no shipping notification, no couch. So I sent them an email and I was like, I really hate to bother you, but it's been three weeks since I talked to you, seven weeks since I ordered and I haven't heard a thing. Could you please let me know what's going on? This is sort of a need, not a want. My couch is broken. (laughs) (laughs) So she, uh, and I just sent off the email. Well, it was like maybe not even five minutes later and my phone rang and it was a California number. And I don't generally answer phone numbers that I don't know, you know? And I was like, I don't know to be in California. And then all of a sudden I thought, I think this company is in California. I'm gonna answer this phone well seventh avenue is the name of the company uh lisa called me and she said hey i wanted to reach out to you i'm very sorry uh we had a an influx of customers ordering that color and we ran out of fabric Uh ah and she's like so we have been waiting on a new shipment of the fabric to come in she said it is supposed to be here this week I will make sure that you are number one priority of the next set to go out because I understand what it's like to live without a couch. I've been there. And then um, I had to pay $250 for shipping. And she said, I'm going to refund your shipping because you've had to wait so long. Oh, that was really nice. And uh, before we were off the phone, I had an email. They refunded my shipping. And so. And the company is called what? Seventh Avenue. Perfect. Yes. So I'm excited. I know. I can't wait to see your new couch. What color I'm, is um, it? Um, I think it's called Heather Gray. It's mm-hmm. a very pale gray, but it is um, waterproof, stain-proof. Like, that's what you if, need. If you look them up on Instagram, they are in their showroom pouring wine and Coke and spaghetti all over the couch. And they literally just take a rag and wipe oh, it off. Oh, that's awesome. Well, with three dogs. In oh, a, yeah. You got to have it. Permanently...
1: Grubby, well, let me know what you think husband. because um, you know this. I haven't talked about it on the podcast. We're buying a condo that we're going to rent. Oh, I uh-huh. had something to do. And right now it has a sofa and a chair that are slip covered with a white slip cover.
0: I'm like, what and
1: why? I mean, you can wash that, but why do you want to, right? Uh huh. So we may get. Well, they have whites. Well, I so don't know their that we colors, want white. Their
0: colors want white. are white, off white. I would want navy. Uh, They have a like a graphite color, which is really a really dark gray, but has um, like flecks of white in it. Mm -hmm. But I have a white dog, so that would be a nightmare. And then they have this kind of heather gray that's kind of a light gray kind of tweedy weave looking. Mm -hmm. Um, And Eric at first was just like, why would you order a couch that pale? That's crazy. And I was like, but look. And then I showed him how like waterproof and you can take the covers off and wash them. Put them if back you on need to. if you yeah. need to yeah and so I felt pretty pretty okay about
1: it so. well slip covers are new to us but white seems really really um interesting for renting but the the lady that we're buying it from she rents and she said oh it's so easy you just pull it off you wash it it's no problem It's see I'm like okay but um it's really exciting the, we got to meet her when we were looking at the condo and they're the original owners of this condo they, they've owned it for 40 years. Can't beat that. I know. They live down in Pauly's Island, but a very nice lady. And she said they've made a lot of memories there, and they've rented it some. But, you know, one of the few original owners of this condo, she talked about how when it went through Hurricane Hugo, you know. Anyway, well, I'm really excited. Fun. It's a mile that's from our beach fun. house. So Chad's going to have something to do. And when do you take possession of it? Um, April 17th. She had it rented one week. And so after her last rental week. We're gonna we're closing right after that.
0: So All right, I'm That's super exciting. excited. You're yeah. gonna be you're gonna be uh, landlords again. We
1: will, we will. So. That's exactly right. And this is new. Short term rentals are new for us. We've never done that. But like I said, Chad needs something to do, and you know we had rental property in Augusta. Um, one house Will lived in, and he was not very good at paying rent. The other <laughs> one we we bought with a tenant in place who paid his rent, but that was easy because the tenant had been there for 30 years. But we um. We sold them both and we left Augusta. And so, you know, short-term rentals are different, but we started looking at at other rentals around here and the market is so high here at the beach mm-hmm. to buy something to rent like you know, long-term rentals, it it's not going to be a very good rate of return. But the right. short-term rentals have a much better rate of return. So it'll give Chad something to do and it's an investment for us, but mainly I need Chad to have something to do. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, he's retired for the first year and men men like to have something to do. Yeah.
0: I'm he happy to need piddle a purpose. around. We I'm all okay. need a purpose.
1: Well, I I would be happy to piddle around as my purpose, but I say that, but I have like <laughs> no, a you didn't. jobs. You You'd write, go
0: write another book or something. I probably would. <laughs> I'd do something else,
1: but he really needs a purpose. So I think he's going to really enjoy it. I'm excited about awesome. that for him.
0: Well, now it's time for our Weekly Good News segment, and Becky from Columbus, Ohio, has a feel-good story for us to share today. She wrote, this is from my friend Tracy, who posted about her day at work. It made me smile, so I asked her if it was okay to share it with you and your listeners, and she agreed. So Tracy's friend, or I'm sorry, nope, it's Becky's friend, Tracy. (laughs) Tracy wrote, I went to work yesterday, not feeling great, but on my feet. I was called to the front to run a register, and I was checking a lady out. She pulled a chocolate bar from the display and put it on the belt and said in a mock scolding tone, you're tempting me with these. As I scanned, I quit back. Oh, it is in no way our intention by putting these here to tempt people to get themselves a little treat while buying their fruits and vegetables. She smiled. I mean, we're not trying to suggest that folks who have had a long, hard day at work. She cut in, I have had a hard day. I said, and are hungry and tired. She said, I am. Totally deserve a nice treat of organic dark chocolate on the drive home. So she looked at me and smiled and she said, I do deserve a treat. And then she put a second chocolate bar on the belt. I could tell that you do, I said. And you know, so do I. I'll probably succumb and treat myself before I leave today because life is short. I finished ringing her up and she paid. Then she picked up the chocolate and put one in her purse and she handed the other to me. The customer said, you have had a long, hard day. You deserve a treat from me. Sometimes, just when you least expect it, people don't suck. I was touched. I wasn't sure really what the rules are, but sometimes you need to let someone be generous to you for their sake. So I said, you are so kind. It's been a rough few days, and this is definitely the nicest thing that has happened to me in the last week. And the smile she gave me as she walked away told me that I'd made the right choice. Yeah, that was the right choice. Just accept it, smile, say thank you. Yeah. And that just goes to show that sometimes by giving, you also receive. It's true. Yeah. So, listeners,
1: we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode.
0: Before we get to the life lesson of the week, we wanna take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. Summertime is coming. It's time to shed those yoga pants and hoodies, for me anyway. For Jen, it's her jeans and sweaters. And it's time to break out those summer skirts, dresses, and shorts, not to mention tank tops. Well, Jen and I don't believe in dieting, We do believe in eating nutrient-dense fresh foods that feed our bodies while eliminating ingredients that don't support good health and weight loss, such as partially hydrogenated oils, artificial sweeteners, high fructose corn syrups, artificial flavors and colors. And luckily for me, Hungry Root believes in the same philosophy. They also, like me, believe that eating healthy doesn't have to be difficult, time-consuming or expensive. I get all my week's groceries within a few clicks delivered to my house. You set up your plan to get the amount of groceries you need and each selection serves at least two, if not more. You can either drop entire recipe ingredients and instructions into your shopping basket or you can shop for ingredients individually. When I really need to clean up my eating and get inspired to eat more veggies, whole grains, and lean quality meats, I always turn to Hungry Root. They never let me down, and they have great customer service. If you want to learn more, visit show notes for a link to save $50 on your first week's groceries, or visit our website at lifelessonscommunity.com and click on the Shop With Us tab to learn more. This week, we are joined by a very special guest, who is a member of our Life Lessons VIP group on Circle and one of our biggest supporters. Over the years, she has become a true friend. Today, we had a last minute change in plans as our scheduled guest canceled with little notice. Sue, just like Casey Train did on episode 94, graciously jumped in to chat with us today about a topic that affects one in 100 families directly and all of us indirectly. She has a very special daughter who has high-functioning autism. Today, Mm -hmm. she will share with us her life as a mom with a daughter with autism and a glance into Katie's life as a young adult with autism. Welcome, Sue. I am so glad that you joined us today. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you thinking of me. Well, we're so glad that
1: you could jump in and join us because this is a very important topic. And as Sherry said, it affects a lot of families directly, but all of us indirectly, And before we get started, I want to read something that that Sue sent to us called Welcome to Holland, and it's by Emily Pearl Kingsley. And it says, I'm often asked to describe the experience of raising a child with a disability to try to help people who have not shared that unique experience to understand it, to imagine how it would feel. It's like this. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and make your wonderful plans, the Colosseum, Michelangelo's David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes on and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say. What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All my life, I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland, and there you must stay. The important thing is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine, and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks, and you must learn a whole new language, and you will meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. It's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while, and you catch your breath, you look around, and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills, and Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy, and they're all bragging about what a wonderful time they had there. And for the rest of of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never, ever, ever, ever go away because the loss of that dream is a very, very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. That kind of gave me a little tingles there, Sue. So, thank you for sharing that. Um, and, you know, what is the lesson you hope to share with listeners today?
2: So, the lesson I'll share is having a special needs child is hard. You will have to embrace challenges you never considered, but you also learn to value different things in life. And finally, it's okay to prioritize your own needs and wants sometimes so that you and your child can enjoy a fulfilling life together
0: that is a wonderful lesson. Mm -hmm. So I guess really just take us back to the beginning, um, to when Katie was, Katie was little when she was a baby. Sure,
2: Yeah. When she was born, she was a a difficult baby, like a lot of sensory, um, issues. Like, you know, I don't know now you could put a lot From hindsight, you can guess but why things bothered her. But she was a fussy baby anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember spending a lot of time holding her so she would sleep. And just gradually kind of the milestones didn't hit. You know, she was a little slower sitting up. She was a little awkward when she crawled. Like she, I said, look quick. She didn't quite have all her limbs together in the right way. Um, And I did ask my doctor. I'd say, you know, I'm concerned. And he had a child maybe two weeks younger than Katie, a little boy. And he would say, oh, it's just development. Oh, it's just, you know, it's fine. Like, uh, don't worry too much. And then I would say, you know, she's not talking. She's not talking. That was my main thing. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, my son doesn't talk either. And so he kind of brushed me off. And then I think she was a little over two. And I had a speech and language pathologist come to the house. And I said, she's not answering her name. Um, And she visited with us for a while. And then she just said, well, you're overusing it, and she kind of knows that you're expecting her attention. So she sort of downplayed it, too, like it was nothing. And every time someone downplayed it, I thought, oh, oh, okay, good. It's just me, right? It's just me. There's nothing really wrong. Um, And then I was talking to a speech and language pathologist at school. I was a teacher. And I asked her, I told her some of the um, things that I was experiencing, and I could see a look on her face and she said, I think maybe you should go get her assessed. You know, so it took us
0: a well, while. I was, yeah. I'm going to interrupt for a second because go I, we, you're talking, and I am able to go back to when my son was little and he was language delayed and sensory processing disorder is what he ended up with diagnosis. Um, he right. had apraxia. Um, and he had like low muscle tone and had all this stuff going on. But when I would go to his pediatrician, I got that same song and dance you got is kids develop differently. You can't compare Mm -hmm. them to other kids. Don't compare them to your daughter because girls mature and grow faster than boys. Um, your daughter's a chatterbox. He may just not be a chatterbox, but, um, like you, I kept persisting. And I think there is something to mother's intuition. And this is one of those things where you'll hear Jen and I say a lot if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. So, I mean, like yeah. you, you just kept pushing for answers. So, you yeah. do, but there's a
2: little period where you think, Oh, I hope it's just me, right? And then, right, you're like, Okay, maybe I am overreacting. Yeah. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then more things come up. And so, Finally, uh, at she wasn't diagnosed until she was over three, like three and a half. And um, it was almost a relief to know that I wasn't crazy. Um, and that was after we had started speech and we got a different speech and language pathologist. And she worked with me for a bit. And then she said, OK, this is our third session. I hope you're ready to hear this. You need to get an assessment for autism. So Aww. it's very painful. Like as I said to someone, having your child diagnosed with autism is like having someone reach into your chest and pull your heart out. Mm -hmm. And then there's this dissociative period where you're looking at your baby that used to a little girl. You still love, you still love her, but suddenly it's like they're a different person.
1: It's Holland. It's not Italy.
2: Exactly. Right. They're not the person. It's not the child you you thought it was. Yes. Exactly. Yes. But then again, and then you, like, I mean, I've had so much time to reflect on this. Katie's 23. Of course she's still the child that she was. You know what I mean? It's your perception of what is, and then you start worrying. There's a spiral where you worry about, you know, what's going to happen in your life. And, and so that kind of, that happened. And it's funny, that quote that um, Jin read, that little reflection, I remember at the time reading it, somebody sent it to me trying to be helpful. And I read it to Joseph and I said, here's the thing. There are four of us in this family. I have a younger daughter as well. There are four of us in this family. And uh, we want to live in Italy. So yeah. if I have to carry her over the Alps on my back from Holland to Italy, we're going. And she can speak with a Dutch accent for the rest of her life. And we'll manage that. But we're not giving up our dreams, all of our dreams for life, of our life, just because this thing happened. Just because she has autism. So That was kind of my you know, mother warrior sort of thing. It was like, no, I, I'm not giving up my whole life. I love now that. have I made adjustments? Oh yeah, of yeah. course we've made many oh, adjustments, right. but, but you know, I don't, Joseph planned to live in, that's my husband. He planned to live in Italy and my daughter and you know what I mean? So right, we yeah. are going to do, we're going to do the best that we can to, she can still be who she is, Right. but she's going to live in our world. Love that. And yeah, you know, And it has worked out. So that was three and a half. So she was starting kindergarten at, she's an October baby. So she would have been starting in the September. So we got her diagnosis in April or May. And I do remember coming home to my, calling my sister and saying, my baby is broken and I can never, ever fix her. Oh, and it's oh, yeah. the heart. It's true though. Right? right. And there are lots of things you can do. So then of course that once I got my head around that, I'm not a, I'm just not a giver upper. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So then I started all the researching and we did do some dietary intervention. That was uh, around the time where that gluten-free casein free yep. diet was supposed to be a cure-all. Mm-hmm. Um We didn't do that one. We did something called the specific carbohydrate diet, which yep, was for a, a woman named Oh yeah. Elaine Gottschall. So she's a Canadian woman. And we, um, we read about how she used it to help her daughter with IBS. And so we did that for a year. Um, and we saw some improvements. I would say four days after we stopped milk, Katie was sitting in the tub and she started to sing the Itsy Bitsy Spider. Like, cause I had always sung with her and, Uh and in this unbelievable gravelly little voice, like she hadn't used her voice much. And that was four days, and that's where I had learned that basically the intestinal villi will start to regenerate after four days. So I knew there was something in diet.
1: Can I pop um, in here for I mean, a second, Sue? Yeah, please. We were going through a very parallel Period. You, you said Katie's birthday is October. Will's birthday is mm-hmm. September fourth. I
0: know you've read Cleanish.
1: Parker's November of the same but year. Both born in 99. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And right at the exact same period of time that you're going through this with Katie at that age. That was yep. the age Will was getting kicked out of school. So I talked about this right. in the introduction of Cleanish. And that's when I started down the dietary path. I was reading about all that same stuff. I was like, could he have autism? I mean, of course he doesn't, but Mm -hmm. I was looking at everything. And that's when we used the Fine Gold program. Dietary changes made such a difference, but it just kind of gave me goosebumps. Like we were literally going through the exact same
0: thing at the exact same time. I wish I knew you then. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And also the thing too, I (laughs) was going to say like with, um, You know, Parker, sensory processing disorder has like so many little parallels with autism. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they're all sort of, I don't know, is autism considered uh, neurodivergent? Yes. They're all kind of under that big umbrella, right? Right. So, you know, it was little things where, um, you know... He, he would stand on a chair and just flip the light switch on and off, on and off, yeah. on and off, and stare at the light switch. That's you know? Will, too. And I was you know, like, what is he doing? Why Will, is he doing yeah. that? Will was never
1: diagnosed with sensory d- disorders, but uh-huh. he was the kid. We went to go see the Wiggles. Y'all know the Wiggles. Then. <laughs> yep, yeah, <laughs> they were yep. popular. He loved we the Wiggles. Saw them. <laughs> we saw them live yeah. in Atlanta. It was me the me real too. Wiggles. And we're <laughs> sitting there, and Cal was there. Will was there. He, Will spent the entire first part of the show. In a little ball because there were too too many lights, too much sound, and uh-huh. he had to warm up. It was too much stimulation for him. Uh-huh. You know, tags were a problem
0: on his. Clothes. Oh yes, yep. Mm-hmm. We shoes and socks. Katie tags, hated shoes. Oh, shoes. oh yeah, shoes. shoes were huge. I put yep. shoes on Parker, and get in the car, and we'd be five minutes down the lo- road, and the shoes would be off. Did you ever again. have to backtrack through a store to find the shoe that oh. they threw off in the middle of it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But what I was going to say was, you know, when you like my brother was born with congenital heart and lung disorders and you know when you have a baby that's born with a disability like Mm -hmm. you it hits you front and center like right like you the baby's born you're like okay um our life's going to be a little more challenging than i anticipated during my pregnancy right But when you're going along and you don't get a diagnosis until the kid is three or four or five, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a little bit different in that, like, you have to totally regroup while being a parent still and while parenting your other child still. And um, that's right. It's it's just I feel like um, it's almost like you're going along with your life, the sun shining and then all of a sudden the sun stops coming out
2: for a while, right? Oh yeah, for sure. There was a period of depression, not diagnosed. I've never been on a medication, but, but not diagnosed, but I know that there was a period of grief and my Mm -hmm. husband and I remember watching, do you remember the TV show 24? I do remember. remember Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Keeper Southern was in it. And I remember we got DVDs of that and we would just watch them for hours at night because it would give us something else to concentrate on and escape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was getting through that was fine and telling the family about it and trying to get into, look into therapy. And we did, um, we, we did try many different things. One of the things we tried, which was interesting and a little different besides the, the diet, we did the diet after about a year where she didn't seem to make much more progress after she started talking, which was huge. We switched over to digestive enzymes and she still takes those today.
1: That's so um, funny. We did the same. We tried digestive yep. enzymes too. I remember yep. yeah, because I was reading about how that helped heal the gut. I really think
2: Will's Will's problem
1: was was gut related and we did a lot of things that healed his gut, but oh, I know. If you, it's funny that you said that. We, it was the yep. same period of time. We were walking yep. a similar path.
2: Yep, and that's where you think, like, if I knew then what I know now, like, yeah. well, I would have t- fed her totally differently, but I can't, one of the things in being a mom with a child with a disability is you can't go backwards, and you could make yourself crazy trying to figure out, oh, if things could have been better if I did this, or what if this happened during my pregnancy, or what, right. like, you can make yourself crazy, but you can't mm-hmm. go backwards,
1: so no, there's no can't. point. You know, know Maya Angelou said, yeah. when you know better, you do better, that's but you right. can't blame yourself for before you knew better.
2: No. No. No, you just do with what you have in front of you. I often think with Parker, his uh, umbilical cord
0: was wrapped around his neck when he was born. And I pushed and pushed and pushed the doctor to deliver him early. Um, uh, Mainly because my ex-husband was over 12 pounds at birth and I didn't want a 12 pound baby. And um, so we delivered him early. And when he was born, the doctor said, I'm so glad we delivered him today because I don't know that he would have made it to his due date. And so in my head, I was always like, okay, is his language delay? Is all of this because he had oxygen deprivation or whatever? But, you know, at, at the same time, it's like, does that matter? Does it matter what happened? Because right. we, you yeah. know, we are, we're dealing what we're dealing with now. And right. all we can do is, yep. is learn as much as we can and move forward.
2: Right. So... Besides the diet, we did something called Tomatis Listening Therapy where um, the child would wear headphones and be listening to certain frequencies of music while doing different, like, game activities with um, a therapist. We did that for a while, and we felt that really helped her tune in um, to be able to hear us, like, listen and pick our voices out better. So that Say helps. it again. What's it called? It's called Tomatis, T-O-M-A-T-I-S, Listening Therapy. Um, and so we were able to do that. That was in Toronto. So I had to drive her there. We had to
0: did that. Was that like a speech and language pathologist or an occupational
2: therapist? So it was a center like designed for that. So they had psychologists and they had different therapists. I'm not sure what their accreditation was exactly, but it was like, it had been there for a long time. So it Mm -hmm. was a place that just offered this therapy, um, And so we did that. But I mean, so in the meantime, she started kindergarten. So, you know, getting her toilet trained on time was terrible, but we managed it. Um, And she was in the half day. Now our schools right now have full day kindergarten. I don't think she would have managed it. So the half day was okay. Extremely challenging. She had a lot of tantrums. Yeah. Now, um, during the
0: 90s in the United States, they started integrating Mm -hmm. special ed kids into regular classrooms. Was she in a regular classroom in Canada?
2: Yeah. So okay. she started school in 2003, I want to say, and she was in a regular kindergarten classroom with EA support. And that was my school board. That was our, cause I worked on the same board. That was our model. It was full day inclusion with support. Um, yeah, that, so she was with the same group of kids, same group of kids from kindergarten through the grade eight. Right. Um, and so she did, she had to be, and I remember as a teacher going in and saying, you know, if you have to remove her from the room because other kids can't focus, like, just do it. Like, don't, you know what I mean? Like, some parents don't feel that way. Some parents want their child accommodated and in, in the classroom. And I was like, you know what? If things are going well, great. Um, and if things are, if she's being extremely disruptive, please, like, just remove her to a find an alternate space. And that's fine. Um, we were very lucky because she got a lot more support in the early 2000s than she would get now.
1: Yeah. Wow. Now that's so, telling that she she got more support then than she would get now
2: if she was the same age. Oh, right now. I, I that's very political. I won't get into it. Okay. But <laughs> a lot of support has been pulled. A lot of that's support, awful. Like, so now classroom teacher would be dealing with her on her own oh, and no. might have half an hour of VA support a day. It's very. Um. It's not good. Oh my gosh. But that's we awful, were lucky. Too. I was you know I was I a know. teacher and
1: mm-hmm. we. You, you need you need help with the, with the kids, not not less support. You need more support. Anyway, I'm really sorry that's happening.
2: Oh, yeah. No, it's terrible. The last year I taught in the classroom, I had a child who was nonverbal with autism. And when her EAs went on a break, uh, there was no support. Oh, no. So I oh. had kids would, who would like if she ran for the door, I had kids that would run after her because they were faster than I was. So that's a big change. It's not good. Oh. But Katie did not have that experience. She had that's a lot good. of support. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. it's uh, So school was hard because of the tantrums. And uh, I actually was in the school where she went because I was there first and I lived in my home neighborhood. And I stayed there. When did I leave? Uh, Oh, I know. In grade three, grade four. We pulled her out in grade four and sent her to a private school because I found that the teacher she had was mostly just accommodating her, keeping her quiet by giving her coloring pages. And I really didn't feel like she was learning anything. She could read, she learned to read in grade one because we had a program called Reading Recovery. I'm familiar with that uh, one, yeah, it's a good program. it's It's fantastic, but when she qualified, the Reading Recovery teacher said to me, she really shouldn't be getting my help because she has an EA. And this is part of the mother warrior story. I had to sit down at a team meeting and say, are you telling me that although you have space on your schedule, She shouldn't be getting your assistance because she has other support. Are you telling me that the lovely EAs who help her through her day, who are not qualified reading instructors, are replacing you? Like, that's not okay. So I (laughs) had to fight for that. (laughs) I want a child to read. So she did learn a lot from that. That teacher had to really adjust because she wasn't used to dealing with kids with special needs. But she did. And Katie learned to read. Um, so that really helped her and I mean there were like I said the tantrums were the main thing Um, and the more you learn about autism like the number one thing that I've learned looking back is she Katie always thought that we knew what was wrong but we just weren't doing anything about it because there's this thing called theory of mind which I think Jen will know about which means that I know that my brain and my thoughts are separate from your thoughts but a lot of people with autism, they have a huge deficit in theory of mind. They don't know that their thoughts are separate from the rest of the world. They think if they know it, you know it.
0: Oh, I so didn't realize that. No, that's oh my yeah, that gosh, I that is know. so
2: fascinating. That is my husband. Yeah. Really? So the yes. test for yeah. it, the test you can do when they're a little older is like I could say to her, okay, uh, with both daughters in the room, I'd say, okay, I'm hiding this stuffed toy under this pillow. And then I would say to Laura, "Okay, now you leave the room." Then I would move the stuffed toy to say in this drawer, and then I would say to Katie, "Where does Laura? Where's Laura going to look for the stuffed toy?" And she would say, "In the drawer." Oh, wow! She would say it in the place where she knew it to be. Right. So that was a really huge learning curve for me that this poor kid thought that I knew what was wrong with her. So we were saying, "Why are you crying? What's wrong? What's wrong?" to her mind because she knew I had to know and just wasn't doing anything
0: like has she been able to verbalize that to you now
2: now we we talk about things like that a little bit at 23 but it really it's more like I had to change the way I approached it it's not something that's easily fixed I mean she may get there a little more
0: like, how did you come to that yeah. awareness? Is that something something somebody it's, taught it's a, you? It's, or?
2: Yeah, it's in through the reading. It's called theory of mind. And okay. uh, it's a well-known deficit in kids with autism. It's funny because when I moved schools, the last time I moved schools, I said to the hiring principal, I said, look, it may look like my... I haven't done much in terms of getting courses and up, upgrading myself as a teacher, but I feel like I have a PhD in autism.
1: You do. See, I see <laughs> because more I'll, than I do. I didn't, I've my never energy. heard of the theory of mind, but it makes me think back to, you know, obviously what we learned about child development way back when I was in college, learning yeah. about about child development and, yeah. you know, some of the things that we progress through, some of the stages that children go through, yeah. and it's almost like the autistic mind gets trapped in that that stage and doesn't go, go past. Right.
2: So I think there are people with autism who go past that because, you Mm -hmm. know, it's a huge, diverse, very diverse disability, but like, I still know sometimes as at 23, I have to say to Katie, remember you're thinking that, but I don't know what you're in your brain unless you tell me. And then she'll go, Oh, right. Like she kind of gets it, but she doesn't always live that way. Uh-huh. Um so that was that's one thing we did. Another thing we did was instead of the ABA therapy which is the one that's uh, most recommended and that will be government funded if you can get any money, we never got a penny. But we chose a different one that I found called relationship development intervention, RDI, and that was out of Texas. Um and so they came to Montreal here in Canada to do a workshop and uh we went um to learn about it. And um so we did that because relationship is the most important thing in your life. So to me, like, it's fine to train somebody to do the right things. It will help. I knew that if she could be trained to do the right things, it would help me. But I thought if she could be trained, you know, opened up to relating to people, it would help her. So I chose that one, um, which was not that popular. I don't know. I don't know if there's still, I don't have a therapist anymore because the one that like, again, I'm in Canada, things are not as easy to access, So I didn't have someone who was practicing that therapy nearby, but by the time that I had two different coaches and by the time the second coach stopped doing it, I thought, well, she was in her teens. I'm just going to carry on with what I know. Like I didn't follow their program, but it's super interesting. Yeah. It's a really interesting therapy.
0: So how did um, did
2: Katie do in school socially? Uh, Not great. Um, so she was very self-focused in general, like, right. So as, as a lot of kids with autism are, she would uh, a little bit of parallel play, I would say in the younger grades, um, in the older grades, she related better to adults, right? She was more attached to her EA than she would be to the other kids, although now, when she talks about her friends, the friends that she went to school with, she follows them on Facebook and she wants to know what's going on. So she did observe them and she did feel some attachment to them. But most of her development came through adults, I would say. So things like um, recess, she'd like to walk around by herself. And I thought that for a long time. And so did teachers. They would tried to give her a buddy. They'd try to make her enjoy the things that they thought a child her age should um Want, but really, she just needed that downtime to be right. away from the crowd, right? Right, um, right. and get herself re centered before she had to go back inside, kind of thing. And so only from high school, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was just gonna say, so from the perspective
1: of the teacher, she was right. lonely and needed a friend, and it would be yeah. nice to match her up because there's lots of nice little children that would yeah. love to be with Katie and help Katie. Yeah. So the teacher's oh. thinking it's it's what Katie needs and really Katie needs That's the it. opposite she needs to be alone
0: she, she might need some lack them. of stimulation. Yes. That sort of thing. Yeah. You know, and I right. can think back to when I was a kid there was always sort of that one kid that just walked around the playground and didn't really yep. want to play anything. And you know, at the looking back, I mean that child was probably just a little bit of an introvert. And yep. you know, We all, we all need, we all need that downtime, whether we're autistic or
2: not. Um, Right. So I remember, you know, saying to them, look, if somebody offers to play with her and she wants to do it, great, but don't make them, don't make it their assignment to follow her around for a recess. Like that's ridiculous. They won't, not fun for them. It's not fun for her. And only in high school, she was able to verbalize that to me because she went off to grade nine and. Um, you know, I said to them, look, she doesn't need someone eating with her. She's not going to choke. She's not like, just let her have her lunch. Right. And I would ask her every day, who did you eat with? Who did you eat with? Did you eat with anybody, honey? And finally, one day she said to me, mom, I like eating by myself at lunch. I like to be quiet. Mm -hmm. And I was like,
1: okay, I have been told. (laughs) Yeah, because we're pushing our thoughts on them. Like, oh, she must be lonely. She must be sad. I feel so sad sad for her. And she's like, leave me alone.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Just let me be. I'm happy. So that was, uh, you know, so as, you know, as she's gotten older, she's been able to clear stuff up for me that I just didn't understand. And people are well-meaning. They think everybody needs what they need. True. Right.
1: That is so true. People think everyone needs what they need. That is so true. They
0: don't. That is very true. I mean, that's a lesson I've had to learn with my husband. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. need people and big energy and you know great conversations, and he just needs his downtime and, as he says Mm -hmm. it, me and his dog. Love it. So, as she got older, do you think uh, did she desire? My, like a close friendship do you think or do you think she's a person who's just kind of content to be solo and have her family
2: well it's i i'm still to be honest i'm still learning about how she thinks but uh uh-huh. um she did uh in high school one of the things that she loved was theater so she was in drama and then she was in the musicals that the school would put on and she absolutely loved it Um, She did need some support sometimes around the chaos that can be backstage theater. And I was fortunate because in high school, she had some really bad teachers who didn't want to accommodate for her at all, wanted to stick her in the corner, give her a passing grade and not have to worry about her. But she had the drama teachers were phenomenal. They wanted to know her. They wanted to make sure she was learning, you know, in her course. And, And they would ask me and they were willing to dialogue with me. A lot of high school teachers did not want to see me. Um, and so well, the listen, drama teacher.
0: Drama mm-hmm. kids are usually. Uh- they're usually your kids that are a little bit more introspective, creative, not your mainstream kids anyway. That's my experience. Yeah. No, you're and right. So, so they I think they, her. yeah, to to them, she was just like probably any of the other kids that needed maybe just a little bit more assistance than the other kids. So I think that was a great niche for her to find.
2: Oh, she absolutely loved it. And so she would get apart and the teachers embraced her and the kids embraced her so that really was her happy place she loved drama um, and she would she also sings she's got a decent voice and um, she would sing at the christmas concert i remember one year she sang respect and she got she does her own choreography and she wore her uh, she wore a fedora and this black dress and she did her little dance while she was singing it and, you know, when she's done and the kids, mostly the theater kids sitting in the audience, because I would get released from my classroom to go and see this, right. They would be chanting her name, Katie, Katie, Love that. It, like, yeah. and it was, you know, and she loved that, but she also had no stage fright because she sings for herself. She doesn't right. really care if other people, it's nice. She likes the validation a little, but it doesn't change the value of doing it for her. If nobody cheered for her, she'd be just, a, she'd be just fun.
1: I like, mean, did she ever feel bullied, or to come home and say that you know the kids were mean to her, or does she always just feel happy to to in her in her own skin?
2: Mostly happy, but yeah. in grade ten, she ended up in a split grade nine ten like um, workplace English class. That's the low, like the one the I don't know how to explain. I don't know how it translates to your. Um, it's sort to kids who you figure are going to go to grade 11 and go into the workplace, right? Okay. You could be apprenticed mm-hmm. or whatever. So she ended up in that. That's what she could handle because her um, receptive language is in the first percentile. So that means, I just say to, to explain it to people, in a room of 100 people, she understands the least and right. last from mm-hmm. what's being said, right? Yep. So that didn't change. We got that from a psychoeducational um, assessment in grade 4. They did another one in grade ten. It did not change. Receptive first percentile. Expressive it, was somewhere like twenty six something. And when you say
0: re- receptive, okay, um, so she understands the words being said, but she can't put them together into a into meaningful uh, it's information? comprehension.
2: It's yeah, yeah she okay. can't really comprehend what people are saying. Now, once you once she has the vocabulary to use on her own, it's different. So for like real life things. Like she understands if I say, Oh, we're going to have for this for dinner, or can you go in like for real life, repetitive things, it would be higher, right? That's a a vocabulary that she can keep in her mind and understand. But in terms of new information, taking in new information, um, it's very difficult Once she gets it in, she's internalized And,
1: and not really understanding, you know, different meanings yep. of things and that, that sarcasm yep. probably that's uh, probably didn't get that.
2: Oh all. yeah. Those are still struggles. But like I s- yeah. just said to my husband, imagine if you had to spend your whole day where people were speaking Russian, like not even Italian or French for something where you might get some words because they're like, imagine how hard that is. And right. no wonder she's so tired. No wonder she loses control of herself. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so that was like, There are just things that I've learned over the years uh, that I I, think, you know, it makes me admire her for being able to do as well as she has.
0: I imagine even just like watching a TV show and following the plot of a TV show is difficult for her then? No, because the visual.
2: So uh, one of the things they say about, they say with people with autism, one of their first, their first language is visible. Is it visual? Like that's how they explain it. Like they think in pictures. They think Uh they don't use words exactly. And I don't think that's, again, I don't mean to overgeneralize. That's often the case. Like Temple Grandin, who's a famous um, person with autism, she talks about thinking in pictures. Um, And so no, no, Katie spent most, she's learned most of her life from TV. TV was huge. Like she loved TV and she loved to watch TV. And although I questioned myself as a mom, sometimes they let her watch too much. That's where she learned everything. That's where she learned social responses. She reads, but I'm not sure. She likes to read out loud like it's theater. I'm never sure exactly how much nuance of comprehension she has. She could retell the story. But I'm not sure. Like, the little things that we pick up on, you know, characters and stuff, I'm not clear Uh on how much she gets out of it. Like,
0: if you said, what was the uh, lesson in this story? She may not be able to tell that too,
2: Right. I don't think necessarily she would, unless it Uh was something... Unless it was super clearly pointed out, you know, uh-huh. like, unless that was the point of the story, right. um, you know, like, or you couldn't say, why do you think this character reacted to the character that way? That's a little bit above what I think she takes away from it. Um, But she does enjoy a good story. So she will read. She still, she reads it about the grade six level, maybe I'd say.
0: Listen, <laughs> if I asked my characters. husband what the, pl- I'll be like, you know, I'll say <laughs> something like, well, what do you think they were thinking? And he'll be like, how do I know what they are thinking? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, so I 100% get it. And I think Chad's biggest like
1: flaws. He thinks he knows what everyone was thinking. And I'm like, that's <laughs> probably not what she was thinking. Oh, that's funny.
2: It's that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have my degrees in English. And so we'll be two thirds of the way through a movie. And I'll turn to my husband and go, okay, here's what's going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. And he goes, how do you know that? And then it does happen. I'm like, that's I me too. story. Yeah, me I too. know how story works. I'm like, well, <laughs> she's
1: getting ready to die. And Chad will just look at me. Yeah. And then yep. she dies.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. So those sort of subtleties, no. But, um, you know, again, I have to not let myself think, oh, that's so sad. Right. Because it's not really bothering her any. Exactly. <laughs> that doesn't bother her right. she doesn't know what that person's thinking. She's Once, enjoying the story.
1: Wasn't sad when she was sitting alone at lunch. It's
0: not sad now. No. It's just she's just I know. happy. It, and, you yeah. have to not put your values on
2: Absolutely. the other person. <laughs>
0: It does require you to adapt in the way that you talk with her and your expectations of her. True.
2: Yes. Okay. So I know that things like when she was young saying to her, okay, when this TV show's done, we have to turn off the TV. Like you could not turn off the TV in the middle of the show. Right. You could, Like that would just be asking for a huge meltdown because mm-hmm. that's just not okay. Um, So we would, I I think I got really careful about priming her to what to expect next. So she doesn't transition well. Well, she's okay now, but I think I say that now, but she's so in the habit. Like I've just, it's just part of our life. Uh So I think I do it all the time. Now she doesn't, TV is not, not an issue anymore. She's, but she will sometimes make me wait while she finishes watching her YouTube video. I'll be like, (laughs) can you, can you unload the dishwasher before dinner? And she'll be like, yeah, uh as soon as my video's done. And so I can't you, get mad about that because I created it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right.
1: So she's 23 now, lives at home. Yes. Will she? Yes. Will she be at home with you forever? Will she move out? What? The reason I ask is because you know I grew up with um, you know, my grandmother two children, my, my mother, and then my uncle, my uncle has fragile X. And so he, he was with my grandmother, couldn't live on his own. He was with my grandmother. They went into assisted living together. Then she ended up in um, a nursing home and now he's in a group home, but it's different when, you know, he was there, he was always with her, her whole life. Will Katie be able to
2: be on her own? Do you, do you think? Well, so the thing, here's the thing. I am always working on this because, um, I, at one point I remember when my younger daughter, I said something to her, we were talking about the future and she was angry about something. And I said, it's okay because Katie will live with us for the rest of her life. And Mm. she looked at me at 13 and said, no, she won't. She'll live with you for the rest of your life. Oh, that's big. she already was thinking about it. Right. Yeah. And so I remember just kind of gaping at her and thinking, wow, you're right. So, we're always working toward independence. So, right mm-hmm. now, um, Katie lives with us. She is very high functioning in that she takes care of all her personal needs. She went out and bought herself a blouse today for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, she can take the bus to um, a, quite a few places, um, which is great. So, super independent that way. She has a part time job on weekends at Chuck E. Cheese, mm-hmm. um, where she's at the price counter, which is very chaotic and she finds it stressful, but she's managing it largely because her manager is super supportive. Um, And, you know, they don't book, they don't actually ask her to work on days where they have too many birthday parties because they know it's going to be overwhelming. But on days that it's manageable, she goes in. um, She won employee of the month in August because she's super positive and like generally happy unless she gets too stressed. So I'm looking at, she needs a, a job that's probably not just weekends. Um, and I really, I don't want to push my child out of my house if she needs to live here, but for her sake and for my other daughter's sake, I would love it if she could get an apartment nearby, like a five minute drive, uh, you know what I mean? Um, or less, like if she could get a place of her own or live in a, like, I don't, we don't have a lot of access to group homes. I haven't really looked into it. Um, because I'm still, I mean, 23 sounds like you should be out on your own but I've been trying to think of the name of, there's a famous pediatrician, uh, doctor who talks about disability and he's like, the timeline doesn't have to be 25, right? Like your child may change between 25 and 35. And then maybe they'll be Mm -hmm. like, it's neuroplasticity continues, right? Mm -hmm. We are so glad to know that your brain can still keep developing and growing. And I mean, I learned to speak Italian in my fifties, like you can still, um, make changes. And I'm hopeful that someday she'll be able to have either her own place or, or live with in a community um, because not for me, like it won't hurt me to have her living in my house for the rest of my life. Right. Right. But for her. Right. And yeah. I want her to that have a sense. job with a, with a purpose. Right. Uh-huh. So she, the job, her favorite job was working for the Alzheimer's society as a volunteer where she was burning, um, finding songs online and burning them onto um, MP3 players for people with Alzheimer's, their family would give a list and that was a volunteer job and she loved it. She was perfectly competent at it. It was in a quiet uh, location and she felt like she was doing something good. So that's what I w- I'm hoping for her, Sherry, that she'll be able to have a, like a productive life, not just a life on the sidelines, but, you know, watching videos on her phone right. um, and that she will be capable of living um in like you know, on, I don't want to say on her own, like in the little apartment, but but somewhere that's not with her parents. Independent. And I cer- yeah, independent. And I certainly don't want my other daughter to have to take care of her. Right.
0: So I know she, there yeah, she are
2: have a child. There
0: are you know high functioning autistic people yep. out in the workforce today, yep. and many people may work with them. And yep. if it's not autism, there's Aspergers. Um, yes. And, you know, my husband's never been formally diagnosed, but he has taken this test and they mm-hmm. give you a, a score and he scores very right. high on the Asperger's uh, scoring test. Um, right. And funny enough, some of the medications he takes are also medications that they would give to help manage Asperger's. Um, so mm-hmm. he has that going for him, but um he... For him, he got some answers as to kind of like maybe why he is the way he is and why he has some little hangups or idiosyncrasies. But um, socially, he's always sort of struggled in the workplace. And because he gets to work and it is a little overwhelming, he tends Mm -hmm. to kind of go into himself and he's focused on concentrating on his job and getting his job done. And he's a very meticulous, like everything has to be done in order kind of person. Right. And people, even recently, somebody mentioned that when he comes to work, he's mean. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'm, why would you say that? I'm not mean. I'm just in work mode. Like, he's right. in his head, right? And right. I think we probably all work with somebody who sort of gets hyper vigilant at work, and they're just all about work, and they're not sociable, and they're not there mm-hmm. to make friends. Yep. What, like, what would you tell a person who works with somebody who you know, could potentially have autism or Asperger's, how can they better relate to their coworker or help support them or, you know, approach them for conversation? What would, do you have any suggestions for them? I think
2: part of it is people, people's egos get in the way. You assume that someone's behaving away because of you, uh-huh. When really they're behaving a certain way because of them. Like I think being open, I think having more knowledge and awareness of autism and, and Asperger's would really help people because if you don't know somebody who's on the spectrum, then maybe their behavior just looks weird to you or mean, as you've said, right? Uh-huh. Um, so I think knowledge, I think being aware of it is huge. And also for Katie, um, I mean, she's still going through a phase where Now she knows she has autism. Now she realizes that she's neurodivergent and she's going to be different from uh, the way other people are, um, that she struggles with things that other people don't. This is, she's still working on this. But I, I say to her, you know, and sometimes she'll say, Why do I have to, you know, be autistic? Why do I have to, you know, tell people that? And I say to her, You don't have to, but it does help people understand you better. Like if they understand that the sounds around you are bothering you maybe more than it would bother them, it will help them. So for an example, at Chuck E. Cheese, everybody else that works at the store has to wear the headset where they hear what's going on behind the scenes. And the first day she worked there, that made her crazy. I remember uh, so you I was telling me about that. To speak. Yeah. I was able to speak with her manager who knows somebody with autism and say like, she can't function on those many channels. She needs to be focusing on the client in front of her, the person, you know, the guest Uh and what they want from this prize counter. And she can't also have to hear that we need more ice. Like she, she can't do it. And he said, no problem. It's more important for her to interact with the customer. That's her job. That's what we're going to tell her. She doesn't wear the headset. So if she didn't, if we didn't tell the manager that, that this is a need for her and she can do her job better if she has this accommodation, um, then they might just think she was difficult or whatever. But like, I encourage her to be open about it. I, and, and, you know, and I also, I have to work with her all the time about you're the way God meant you to be. You're not broken. Like your mother said, when you were three, Mm -hmm. you're you, and this is part of you, right? This is how you are. This is your life. This is your personality. Um, and so sharing who you are and what you need is gonna help you in the long run. Now, uh, yeah, she's also. I agree more. Yeah, right. No she's also very sweet and loving. She really cares about people. like she it, she's very empathetic. Um, she's pretty quirky and she's funny. Um, and so if you just let her be herself, people are always find her very endearing and are willing to go out of their way to help her. So she does have that going for her. Um, right? She's just she can be very charming. Um and not not in any manipulative way just because of how she is. Like she's just if you let her be her and you're accepting of her little quirks, she's just awesome to be around, right? So there is that. But I do tell her you need to share that you have autism because it helps people understand you, and then when you explain what you need, they can help you better. That's what I would say.
0: I think <laughs> that'd be that's a great advice. Yep, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, we all have little quirks. We all have our own oh, yeah. needs. And, oh. I mean, I, I bet every single person has some form of some disability, whether it's... Well, we've all
2: worked with people, right? You know, You've worked with people that it makes you wonder, right?
0: Yeah. So Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and if you were born with one leg, I, clearly people are going to know you're born with one leg and you're going to need some That's accommodations great. to your work. So... right. Um, right. yeah, I think we should yeah. all just do what we can to accommodate people and help, help build them right. up where they need, you know, some extra strength and for sure you know, teaching her you, to
1: speak up for herself, I think is mm-hmm. huge and te- teaching yes. her to explain it, you know, and, yep. and just say, I need something, I need help uh, that, you know, that's, that's so important. I love that you're doing that with her
2: oh, and that she can you. do it. It's- it's been a long time coming. Like you just sort of work into it. And I think I shared with you once in the community, like when you have a child, you think you're going to raise them and then they're going to move on to live their life. And then when you find out this, you have a child who may be a child forever. It's a very different thing to get your head around. But what's really important to go back to the Holland, Italy analogy is, yeah, you know what? There are tulips. Like my daughter, uh, didn't go through any of the terrible teen things that, that my other daughter went through where she hated me and she, whatever, um, she's had times where she was mad at me, but like, she's so loving, right? She's so loving. Mm-hmm. She's so, um, things that bring her joy, bring her so much joy. She's like obsessed oh, yeah. with the mask singer. She loves the Masked singer. She's right in there. Have you guys ever watched that show? I have not. I have I've seen not. commercials for okay. it well so there's a part at the end where they're going to reveal who the person is and everybody in the studio audience is chanting take it off talking about the mask she's in the family room screaming take it like she loves it she's fully in the moment same thing with watching her videos um and like she can i found it maybe two years ago she can actually watch a movie in her head like she could like uh, see it the way that we would be watching it on. Yeah. It's different. Right. So sometimes, uh, she'll get a little smirk on her face when we're talking and I say, what are you watching? She goes, sorry, mom. Sorry. Like I know she's actually (laughs) watching this little video or like, um, yeah, things that bring her joy. That's all I can tell you is sometimes I just need to relax into when it brings her joy. She's so present and happy. Like, Taylor Swift is her, her great, the first human being she ever related to. She used to love cartoons, but Taylor Swift, like she will tell me the day and the minute that a, the next album is going to drop. Like, so when she enjoys things, she really does. I think you can get caught up in again, feeling sorry for your special needs child because they don't have a life you have, but she has a different She has some different gifts and different opportunities to enjoy her life that I don't have access to. And
0: Holland is beautiful. And she gives you
2: a different point
0: of view that you wouldn't have without her. Yes. Exactly, well, Sue, It has been so much fun to have you here
1: today and talk to you. You're such a great part of our community. And oh, I think you. it's really helped to, to hear about it from your perspective. And I've learned things. Look, I was a teacher for 28 years, but <laughs> I didn't know some things that I learned today about autism that you, you have taught me. So I appreciate that so very much. And we all know people with autism. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that this will help a lot of people.
2: I just hope some employees, employers, give them a chance, give them a chance. That's my, that will be my parting word on that. Now it's time
1: for our listener-led lesson. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Christy. She says, I think most of us have struggled with getting hair out of the vacuum beater bar before. Oh, Lord, yes. Yes. (laughs) I bet you too, Sherry, with our long hair. Me, Avery. It's crazy. It's the worst. Mm -hmm. And it's just like so gross. She said, I discovered a super helpful tip. Keep a sewing seam ripper on hand and use it to cut the hair off the beater bar. It's so easy. That is a great tip.
0: That is a great tip. Yeah. My vacuum came with a little special tool that does it, but it's plastic and it's got like a razor blade in it and like a little hook that you use. Yeah. Well, it breaks. I just I mean, use scissors. I mean, you can only use it once or twice. Do you use scissors? I have, but the way mine is designed, it's hard to get it in there. Oh. Um. So, yeah. I just it's, use scissors yeah. and I give it a little trim. I'm like, choo, choo, with choo, my robotic yeah. vacuum, it's kind of more compact and uh. it's actually not supposed to collect hair, but it doesn't collect dog hair like my other one does but it just definitely Sherry, hair. sherry and Avery hair. <laughs> well, that's a good tip. Seam ripper is a really Seam good ripper. Tip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the end of each show, we'd love to share a motivational quote from a listener. And Heather in New York has two quotes that she would like to share today. She wrote, both of these have spoken to me a lot in the last year. The first one, taking on life's challenges is a lot like riding a horse. If it's comfortable, you're doing it wrong. And that is from Ted Lasso. So I had to look this up because I'm like, isn't that a movie? It's a TV show. Is it a TV show? Yeah, it's a TV show.
1: And I've only watched some of the first season. And it's hilarious. I think Chad didn't really get into it, which is why we didn't keep watching it. But it's a really good TV show.
0: Okay. Yeah. You would probably like it. Is it on Apple or is it on regular You know TV?
1: what? I think it is on Apple. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I think All it's right. on Apple, which is probably why I never really got back to it, because I don't watch as much on Apple. But I, we have, like, Apple Unlimited, because Cal, yeah. one year, I was like, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. He's like, what I really want is Apple News and Apple Premium, and will you sign up for that? Because we're on Family Share. Uh uh-huh. I'm like, okay, fine. So now we have, like, everything Apple offers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I might have to check it out. Yeah. So the second quote she wrote This quote seemed to be the theme of my life after losing my mom in December of 2021, finding intermittent fasting, and reconnecting to myself since becoming a mom over 15 years ago. Also, thank you for all the self-care life lessons, as all of us caregivers need the permission to self-care. The quote is from Asha Tyson, and it's, Your journey has molded you for the greater good. It was exactly what it needed to be. Don't think you've lost time. It took each and every situation you have encountered to bring you to the now, and now is right on time. I love that. I love that. that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you Mm -hmm. so much for sending those in, Heather. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: We would love to have you join us in the private Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to become a VIP podcast supporter. Your membership ensures that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons Podcast each week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a five star review on your favorite podcast app. Reviews really do help us reach new listeners. We
1: are a community driven podcast, and here's how you can be a part of our show each week. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com or use the link in show notes and then listen each week to hear your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.